0: There was also a ton of controversy about the reunion. Like multiple castaways came out and were like, that wasn't a reunion. We got ignored, we got treated shitty. Like Eric was like, I was on the jury and (coughs) no one spoke to me.
1: Welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where four gorgeous people talk about the gorgeous show that is Survivor CBS. We welcome the gays, the theys, and the gals to discuss our love for reality competition shows, especially Survivor, as we work our way through all 40 seasons. We are well past the halfway point. Today we are discussing season 26 Caramone or fans versus favorites, part two. Is it really favorites? We'll discuss that in just a moment, everybody. But before we get into that, I am here with my favorite, gorgeous Survivor-loving ladies, Aggie, Stacy, and Anna. Say hi to the people, Aggie.
0: Hi, escaping reality friends. Um, Nick, I heard on TikTok the other day they were calling people the ladies, Gaties and ladies, and I feel like we should make that a thing.
1: And like, you that...
0: know, you can be straight and listen to our podcast, but
1: you can be. You're probably like, not. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can be straight. It's just highly encouraged that you aren't. Stacy, what up? i I'm straight, but you know, <laughs>
2: one of the few. Thanks, Stacy. <laughs>
1: I was like, I mean, you're not one of the few on this podcast. No. I'm the only, <laughs> <the> only non hetero. <laughs> and then Anna, my long haired beauty.
3: Hair so long, sexual orientation so straight. Um, you know how I know I'm straight? My undying love for John Cochran,
1: uh, which only we, the
3: straightest of straight people could have.
1: We will get into John Cochran because we all have so much love for this twinkie, nerdy, Boy, this is pretty much just going to be an ode to John Cochran. That's it's the type love of podcast. It's a love letter to Cochran. Mm-hmm. But with that, yes, we are discussing season 26 of Survivor, Kara Moen, Fans versus Favorites, part two. We had a beautiful cast, one tribe made up of fans, one tribe made up of favorites. We had the beautiful moment of a past fan coming back to be on the favorites, which I just loved that narrative. I thought it was fun. Um, but let's go through these tribes really quick so on the fans tribe which was gota we had ali hope shamar laura matt julia michael reynolds eddie and sherry and then on the favorites tribe which was Bacall, we had francesca from redemption island brandon hance from south pacific corinne from gabon Philip from Redemption Island, Malcolm from Philippines, Andrea from Redemption Island, Brenda from Nicaragua, Eric from Micronesia, Micronesia, sorry, um, the OG fans versus favorites, Don from South Pacific, and Cochran from South Pacific. Before we get into any specifics about these castaways and about the tribes, let's just go around and discuss our quick one minute thoughts on this season. Uh Stacy, start us off, girl.
2: Okay. Um, I definitely like the season. This is another one I've now watched twice in quarantine, but it's good. It was good both times. Yeah, it's cool to have fans versus favorites again. I know we kind of we'll probably discuss that some of the uh favorites this time were, you know, not our favorites and not who we would have picked, but I think they still I mean their tribe to me was much more interesting than the new the newbie tribe um so I liked it I thought there was good gameplay Cochran winning is you know a great story because he's been a a fan for for so long and written like papers on Survivor so I thought it was a good one there were also some big moments though I know we'll get to Brandon Hance I know well and I plan to also get to Shamar and his his team (laughs) there wasn't much of a
1: team but anyway
2: (laughs) I'll I'll save those thoughts
1: (laughs) Aggie what about you
0: Okay. I liked Caramon a lot. Actually, when I went to put it in my rankings, I had it quite high. I think mostly because I like the second half so immensely. I think I like the merge to the end, the best of many seasons. I agree with Stacey. There's some problematic things at the beginning that are really frustrating. And I can't decide how I feel about Dawn because I did (laughs) kind of find her funny at times. I found her endearing at times. I did kind of like when she would cheer people on and all the challenges, It was kind of like having a real mom, like in real time with you, which was kind of fun. And then, but then she would cry all the time. So it was very hard to decide, do I like this person? I can't tell. I am team Cochran all the way. I didn't think anyone else had a chance when we got to final tribal. I was like, if he doesn't win, we've done something wrong. He was just so good. Like one reason we maybe shouldn't ever let people who've been to law school and are, are lawyers in the final three and so I, I really liked this season. There were some parts where I wanted to throw things, but episode like seven onward, I had no complaints.
1: Yeah, totally see where you're coming from. Anna, what about you?
0: Um, I agree with you, Aggie. Like from the
3: merge on, I felt like I enjoyed it so much more than I did in the first few episodes. But in terms of a whole season, I really liked it. I was a little nervous at first and I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit um, with the people that were brought back as favorites because I- I think we've all said it, like we don't really consider them our favorites. Um, And especially when you look back at the first Fans vs. Favorites season where everybody on the favorites tribe was like an obvious choice. And so in this case, it felt more like, okay, these are just returning players, not so much quote unquote favorites. But I also think we're used to seeing returning players more at this point, whereas in season 16, it was still um, not really a regular thing and now we're just more used to it. So it felt even weirder to call them favorites, but less weird to see them playing in this mixed game. Um, I have so many things that I'm ready to say about Cochrane because I just, I, I didn't know how much I loved him <laughs> until we got about midway through this season. And I was like, I think I'm in love with this man. Like <laughs> he got to my heart a little bit. Um, so I was so happy to see him succeed. Um, call me Cochrane. I'll be here. <laughs>
1: Uh, Um, I feel the same way. I actually, I was thinking back to when we filmed or recorded our rankings video and we all kind of said like our top five and like top 10 are like pretty much set. It's going to take a lot to break into those. And as I finished this season last night, I was like, Ooh, this might've just broken into my top 10. I really liked this season. And I think one of the reasons why I really liked it was because the quote unquote favorites that came back, you didn't like expect them to come back because they weren't really anybody's favorite player, it with like the exception of maybe Malcolm. So they come back and you're like, well, why would I want to watch these people? But then you watch the season and you're like, oh I actually really like these people and I really like these players and they're actually really interesting, which I thought was good and I thought made for a good season, a good unexpected season because it wasn't as was advertised, but it still lived up to the expectation of it. But with that, we are in the theme of fans versus favorites. This is the second time we are seeing this theme. It is the first major theme to be uh, repeated. So we had an all-star season, then we had heroes versus villains and fans versus favorites part 1. Now we're in part 2. And we've seen some themes be repeated before, whether it was like men versus women, but this is the first major title sequence theme to be repeated. And how do we feel about it? Like do we think Survivor needs to just always have a different theme and not look back, always do something new and different? Or did we like the repetition of this theme? Is this a theme that we wouldn't mind seeing repeated a third time if it comes down that road?
0: I don't
3: mind it. I don't mind that it's a repetition because of the type of theme that it is. I Mm. think sort of like I just said in the intro, we're getting more used to seeing returning players play in a season. And I like the mix of returners and new players. And I think as long as you do that, And you have that many returning players playing on that season, you have to just say that it's fans versus favorites because at at a certain point, if it's half returners, half new people, like what else is it? Um, And so I don't mind the repetition. I like the construct and I like the way that we've seen it play out both times. So I, I would be more than happy to see it again if there are new seasons, like when we do start getting new Survivor again now as a survivor fan i would love to see that happen in real time and so i don't mind seeing it again and
2: in fact i look forward to seeing it again in the future
1: yeah totally get that stacy what about you
2: i mean i liked repeating this one i don't mind repeating themes i mean towards the next 10 seasons or so there are a lot there's a lot of variety um but this is a good one because i mean this is a good way to get a bunch of returners on one tribe instead of doing like know two people come back and one's on each tribe so i like it i would definitely watch another one like this
1: yeah i think it's two it's also fans versus favorites one was so successful and i feel like it's renowned as like one of the best seasons of survivor so it makes sense to repeat that season it's like when you make a sequel of a movie that like doesn't need it like do we need a toy story part four no, but Toy Story Part Three did so well, so we're gonna do another one, and like that's kind of like what it felt like. But I wasn't mad at it. Aggie, any thoughts here?
0: Um, I think we've just now reached the part in Survivor where the theme is not the location. The theme mm. is something else. You're starting to see that shift of production being like, should we market it based on the location or should we market it based on how we picked the players? And I think that gets really exciting. Um, I'm very excited for season 27 and I think Fans his Favorites set us up to be excited for season 27, Blood versus Water, because we're now understanding that it doesn't have to just be a location. We can have a reason why these people are playing as the theme and that can just be really exciting and fun.
1: It also got you excited at the reunion with that amazing promo we got.
0: <laughs> Oh my god, Jeffrey. Why? why
1: but it's it was it was an ad for twilight in this essay i will
0: or it was just like are you in biology class i was like what are we doing jeffrey i don't like it
3: now we're in an age with like they want twitter engagement and so you can't just like put Mm -hmm. the normal promo you got to be like
0: here's a clue what do you guys think i was like it looks like we have blood in our iv bag like maybe we should be (laughs) concerned
1: Speaking of Twitter engagement, follow us on Twitter, ESC uh, Reality Podcast and Escaping Reality. No? Well, follow us somewhere. That promo was failed from the start. All right. (laughs) We've been tiptoeing around this idea that we don't really feel it was a proper favorites tribe, but they were all returners. And it feels weird to be like fans versus returners. I kind of coined the idea that it was fans versus redemption. People who needed to come back and prove that they can play this game in a different way, that they can do it better. Because it really did feel like every player who came back had something to prove, except for, I would say, Malcolm. Because Malcolm kind of like proved that he was already a game changer in his original season. You know, so he didn't have much to prove in the redemption aspect, but Otherwise, I feel like every other player had to prove that they aren't shit in a sense, or that, you know, they can play this game. What do you all think, Aggie? Start us off.
0: I agree with you that Malcolm was the only one that didn't fit in the like redemption category. I think the only way that he got redemption was that he won the $100,000 at the reunion. I was shocked he didn't win it in Philippines just because of how much everyone loved him after that season also. So he got redeemed in that way. I think that Cochran really did redeem himself in so many ways. So I think the idea of redemption coming back for some of those people was really interesting. I think good examples of other players who were there for redemption, Andrea, who just like fell on the wrong side of alliances with Rob, Francesca, because she was the first one voted out, which is the first time we've seen someone come back who was like a vote out so early. I was shocked she was there. Corinne, because she was like so mean to everyone. And like, that's what she was known for. And so she got to come back and actually be known for being a strategist, not just for being- A bitch. Yeah, (laughs) a bitch, a bitch, you know? Like not very nice, like just not a kind lady. Um, (laughs) Someone says that, and I think it's Corinne, someone says that in the first episode, like we're here for redemption. So I feel like that's how it was at least marketed to them like they weren't told it was fans versus favorites. I think they were told, do you want a second chance?
1: But I feel like that idea was very evident when they brought back Francesca, who was the first eliminated from her season. I can't really imagine in a way that she was a favorite based on her first season when you were the first eliminated. You were in two episodes. But I truly felt like they were like, she has potential, maybe she needs a redemption arc. Let's push that idea and we'll bring her back. But then they marketed it as fans versus favorites so it was just interesting
0: i think malcolm also because they asked him literally the night of his elimination like would you play again because like we need to know like right now i think they marketed to him as like would you like a second shot because you didn't get what you wanted and we have a spot for you next season if you want to just do it again so i think that also proves our point if you
3: will right I try to think of it not so subjectively of like, obviously not every person who returns as a favorite is going to be one of my favorites, but I just struggle with like some of the people that they brought back because they were just like wave makers. I think of someone like Brandon. I think of someone like Philip, even Corinne to some extent of being like, oh, like people loved to hate them and to watch like the outrageous things that they did. And I'm, I'm trying to be not so uh, opinionated about it because I know that that's what some people watch for. Whereas like for me, I would rather watch someone who's actually good at the game or someone that I liked, but I try to remind myself that like, that's not the formula and that's not necessarily what they're casting for or bringing people back for. So I, I, I do agree that like, it was much more for redemption, but I don't think that some of these people needed or deserved redemption So again, I know that they're not my favorites, but I get why we're bringing them back. It's just not what I would have handpicked, but I get
1: it. With that, we did have some firsts and some twists in this season. Not like big twists or anything, but we did have a couple firsts that I wanted to bring up that I thought were interesting um we had a lot of interesting idol play this season which i think we'll get into when we talk about the specific gameplay we also had the hidden immunity idol just called out right at tribal laura just being like reynolds you have it i saw you grab it we also had a three-way tie at tribal not once but twice and this was the first season that we saw a three-way tie but it is also the only season where there are multiple uh three-way ties The tribe swap also happened very early and same with the merge happened earlier in these seasons. And what I want to note, which was really weird, was that all the favorites brought all of their stuff to the tribe swap reward, but the fans didn't. And so were they told something that the other tribe wasn't? I just don't know. And then also, sadly, we have the latest med evac in any season of survivor ever it is still the reigning champ of poor ice cream man eric gets medevac at the final five it sucks it really made me upset i truly thought he had a chance of winning if he could have gotten to the final three but yeah it sucks with that anna why don't you talk to us about some of these uh firsts
0: um i'm gonna be
3: honest i don't feel super strongly about any of them um Definitely the ties, I think, struck me more than anything else because they just kept happening. And I was like, how is the voting so all over the place this season? Because I feel like we haven't seen that in a long time where the voting is like even three people at once with their names on parchment. Like it just it struck me so much. And then it kept happening. And I was like, well, obviously, if they can't get it together, they can't get it together. And it's just going to keep happening. Um, And so that more than anything else struck me as well as just like the so late in the game medevac. And and that one surprised me because I feel like the later you get in the game, I would never go so far as to say that it becomes easier, but I do feel like the fewer people that are still there, the rewards get bigger. They do try to keep you like more energized because it's the final push. Like you've been out there for so long that I feel like you start to get a little bit more given to you. And so to see someone hit that level of like starvation and exhaustion in like the final episode... (laughs) um or close to the final episode just felt so surprising to me because in in my mind like that's something that production would try to avoid because obviously you get you get to that last stretch of time and it's like we need them to have this final push we know it's going to be tough like physically and mentally so like we will pad them a little bit more so when eric had to get pulled from the game i was like this sucks so much like i feel like it could have been avoided and i feel like in the past we've almost seen it avoided
0: i have a theory about it yeah. I think because he was a cross country runner, right? He was cross country. I think he just had a really high metabolism to be perfectly honest. Um, because when he came on the show the first time, he hadn't been doing it as long, but I think he has continued to do those kinds of activities. And I think his metabolism just ran through calories in order to keep him running at all times. He also was never one to not put in his like full and best, like full out at every challenge. And that I think also had to do with him continuing to like lose calories and not be able to keep nourishment in his body. You saw how sad he was when Brandon poured out the rice. He was like, that's not gonna work, sir. That's me as a like fitness professional giving my two cents, but I am no doctor. So can't take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I'll just quickly add on to Anna about ties. I felt like my one complaint about this season is that we split votes every vote because of idol paranoia. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? Cochran says it at one point, he's like, are we really gonna split the votes again? Mm -hmm. It seems pretty unlikely that Malcolm found the idol since Andrea just stopped him from being able to find the idol.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. So
0: maybe we just all vote Malcolm. Like, we don't need to split the votes. Like, maybe we just all vote Malcolm and it'll be fine. So I felt like the idle paranoia was running rampant, which I think also had to do with Don having paranoia at all times about everything. So they were like, let's play it safe and split the votes always. And it just, it got a little played out and it resulted in way too many ties.
2: I do, I think, is this the first time that a team has forfeited like ahead of time like forfeited at the immunity idol or immunity competition because i i know one tribe did that at, like they gave it up after which was not smart but i think this is the first time so that was maybe the most interesting twist to me um honestly these other ones
0: yeah and it was also but, like the second time we've had a um verbal vote at tribal
1: yeah right
0: like or are not at tribal at a challenge
1: I do like that we got to this idea of the paranoia, because I feel like that was just an overall theme of this season. Like, it was almost like Survivor, fans versus favorites, Paranoia Island. Like, every single person was paranoid beyond belief, always, to the point where I was like, oh my god, calm down. And Stacey, from a therapist's point of view, what do you think is just going on here? Because I feel we've seen paranoia in Survivor before. Obviously, it is a game about paranoia. It is a game about social strategy. Of course, we're going to see that, but it just felt like on another plane this season.
2: Yeah, well, I have no real you know, view on that as a therapist because I don't know them like that, but I don't know I mean I think they these people especially who are coming back like they know this might be their last chance so maybe they're just trying to like make the most of it they know they've watched each other play probably so they know people are crafty because I I mean I've, I feel like all the returners except Francesca like they did show in their first seasons like they're pretty you know like Andrea can play she just you know didn't she got unlucky sometimes and like Cochran betrayed his uh people so I mean it might just be they kind of knew like because I don't like, I think the paranoia was with the returners. I, don't, I feel like the new people were not that paranoid.
1: So totally agree.
2: Perspective, that's just a survivor perspective.
1: Can we also touch on the paranoia around Francesca? Because they were like, we need to vote her off first. We need to get rid of her. She is too strong to be here. And I'm just like, cite your sources, cite <laughs> your evidence on how she is too strong to be here. She lasted a day. I don't get where this idea and this paranoia is coming from.
3: Like, I think right off the bat in her first season in Redemption Island, she seemed so smart from the beginning that Mm -hmm. they voted her off. And I think the same fate befell her this time. I And like, that's, that's why I was excited to see her back. Because even though we only had her for one episode before this season, I was like, yes, I'm so excited to see her play again. Because you could tell from that first episode that she had it in her. And that that's why I think they took her down as a threat. And it was so disappointing to see it happen again. But it makes sense to me because I think they brought her back because she showed in such a short amount of time that she was a formidable force. And then it was her same downfall because they were like, we we can tell that you're here to play the game and that scares us. And I hope she comes back again because I want to freaking see her play the game.
1: Right? Like, I'm so annoyed. I'm just like, she's coming in and she's bringing all these great ideas and they're just like, Now we're going to get rid of you. I'm like, oh my God, let the girl play.
0: She might also come into the conversation that I think we're about to have, but Mm. she's a strong Black woman with opinions and like a plan and an actual strategy. And that I think was threatening to some people, to be perfectly honest, in potentially like a multitude of ways. But I think um, she is someone who we don't get enough screen time for because she is not a player who's gonna come in and sit on her ass. Like she is not someone who's gonna let her fate be decided for her and in doing so seals her own fate. There is potentially also like, not only is she black, but she's just like a woman, like a strong woman with opinions and I think that was threatening to be perfectly honest.
2: Yeah, I also feel like, I mean, I know Aggie watches um, MTV's The Challenge. And anytime yes. they vote someone off, they we're vote cool. off like the rookie or like the newest person. I feel like part of it is they were kind of like, those are all returners. And they're like, I mean, if we need to give a reason, like you haven't even played before. So like it's like, there's nothing really to, no one will be offended or there's like, you're not as much a part of this yeah. group as we are. So it also could have been the easy vote. For sure. Sure. That's
0: actually a really good point, Stacey. I hadn't thought about it like that.
1: I'm full of them. Um, that's, that's what with about. that, I think we're going to move into this topic that Aggie kind of touched on. And we're going to talk about racism and just the issue of diversity in Survivor. And before we get into this topic, I do want to say that we recognize Survivor has since announced they are going to make sure that future casts are like 50% people of color, 50% white, and like make sure that it's integrated more and all of that. But I think we just need to recognize that it took 40 seasons to get to that point. And this is season 26. We are still seeing racism. We are still seeing the crazy black man, the crazy black lady edit that people get. And it's uncomfortable to watch. And even without a 2020 lens, when did the season premiere, like 2013, it was still inappropriate back then. So I don't think we can use the excuse of this being a 2020 lens and us watching it's just straight up the producers of survivor didn't cast diversity and they didn't want a black person to get a good edit and so they just didn't give it to them Mm. yes they are taking steps to correct this now but it's it was 40 seasons before you have the time you have the money it should have been done earlier and you chose not to
2: i have i mean i'm gonna be a little heated about this because as i was watching like it's just too much and i know like Aggie said it's frustrating to watch. I mean, it is more personal, it's not frustrating. It is, it's very infuriating to watch. I have two thoughts. One is I'm excited about the diversity um, commitment that they made. I'm still like, to me, that's still, we'll wait and see how that goes. Because I mean, that's a lot of talk. It's 2020, so everyone is saying things like that. I mean, we finally got a black bachelorette and bachelor, but I'm like, yay, but still, no that's not enough so we will see but as far as this goes there is just a lot of racism in the early episodes and this is why I wasn't a fan of the newbie tribe I feel like I didn't like this uh season until like some of the swap and some of the merge uh Shamar he was the only black person on his tribe I believe if there was another one, they got voted out, and I don't remember them. I don't think there are any Asian people. I don't think there are any Latinx people on his tribe, on the newbie tribe. Is that right?
1: Yeah, he was the only <laughs> okay. person from there.
2: So we have talked about how, when you are on a tribe by yourself, as far as identities go, and it could also be being LGBTQ plus community, but when you are by yourself, you're already at a disadvantage that no one else has. So, the scene where Reynolds decides after they lose a challenge to come for him and basically say, your attitude is not how I would, that's not how we do things where I come from. I almost lost it. (laughs) And I've seen this twice. And I don't, I think I just probably ignore The first time I watched, probably ignored it or just like didn't have the space to think about it. But now I do. And I would like to say, where you come from, Reynolds, you're like, that is straight up saying, where I come from, which is probably full of white people, as just like this tribe is full of white people, that does not fly. So policing someone's behaviors, a black person's behaviors, the only black person on your tribe, not going to work for me. <laughs> that, was, that was where I just was like, no, I'm done with Reynolds. He can go. Unfortunately, he stayed <laughs> a little longer. But I was like, I am done with him. But honestly and nick you did mention this when we were talking like their tribe was a lot of young like not only white people but like young white people who i think it was laura called them the pretty people (laughs) like what is happening i thought we finished with that in episode
1: six the reynolds eddie hope and Allie literally called their (laughs) alliance the popular jock alliance And they're like, this is just like high school. This is how it should be. All the losers on the beach and us chilling in the water. Like, you have a lot of confidence for being in an alliance of four.
2: And then one of them did say like the pretty people. And I'm just like, I just, I can't do it with these people anymore. But either way, so I do feel like he was targeted. I feel like it was very easy to point him out. I, I feel like he was called lazy immediately. And you know, it could even be, they have watched this before and seen black people be lazy. Like at this point they have enough evidence, <laughs> evidence I use in quotes from other seasons to be like, this is an easy like excuse to target someone. So it's like Survivor has also played into this as far as I'm concerned, where like it could be their own bias. It could be that he was laying down more or it could be they've seen it before and they're like, that's an easy (laughs) solution. Let's just go with that. So that was very problematic to me as well. There was a scene where Shamar said, like, I basically, I came here to play. Like, I thought this would be fun, but now I feel like the black sheep. Again, like (laughs) we know what the term black sheep is. The one person who doesn't fit in and he's literally black. So I'm just like, I mean, this is very, very upsetting to see this just so heavily in a show that I'm trying to watch for pleasure. And it it hasn't happened once, it hasn't happened twice. We're on, I mean, I texted the whole group and said, we're on season 26. I'm pretty sure it's happened at all 26 seasons, except the ones where there were no people of color so they could just ignore that. But then it probably happened to like the one gay person that season. So I'm just, you know, 2013, like it was not that long ago. So I just, I felt bad for Shamar. I, you know, it didn't help on the other side, like Philip is the main black person there and Philip, he has a different personality, but it doesn't help that he and Francesca were the only two. I wish Philip wouldn't have targeted Francesca. Honestly, I feel like he could have had more, you know, someone who's somewhat connect related to him. But either way, it's like, again, when there's only two But I mean, it's just like two black people on the whole, on your whole tribe. It's just, it's like, I don't get it. I mean, I know Brenda was there. She's a person of color. But again, watching this season, I was like, it's just a lot of white people. And I like white people. I have white friends. I chose to be on this podcast. But like, can we just spice it up a little bit? Like, it's just tiring at this point. It's not exciting. Watching that new tribe was not exciting in any way to me. I only kept watching for Brandon <laughs> and what happened after that. Like I was not watching for their tribe. So I would love to hear other people's thoughts, but you can tell I'm heated because I'm just like, it's been so many seasons now.
1: It just, it feels, and I wrote this in our planning doc. It feels like Survivors found the archetype of having the quote unquote angry black person or the quote unquote crazy black person. And it's like, we don't need to fill those archetypes those archetypes shouldn't exist we shouldn't be portraying them we don't need to see it because it just it feels manufactured like as somebody who has now watched 26 seasons of this show i can see what you are doing i can see that this edit is manufactured to make me not like him and it doesn't work and it's just
2: like it get some variety i'm sorry but even if, even if it was something different it's like just move on <laughs> like find
0: something else
3: That's the importance of you can't just make a pledge to say we'll have diverse casting. It it has to be in all facets of the show because, okay, great. Like you're going to have at least 50% people of color on the show. But if you don't match that in the edit room and with the producers, you're going to just have more of the same storyline. And that's the problem. You can't have people who only have one perspective writing the story of the show because if they don't understand how people who are not of the same race as them may be perceived and they're not thinking about that like Stacey when you say it's not frustrating it's like personal if you don't have people in the writer's room and in the edit room who understand that and are thinking about that then great you've got a cast that's half people of color and now they're all getting a horrible stereotypic edit. So like, unless you put it on the other side of production too, you may end up with a worse problem. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. It has to
1: be all encompassing. Aggie, any thoughts to add here before we move on?
0: The only thing that stands out to me with Shamar, I agree completely with everything you guys have said up until this point, it was just really frustrating to watch. But at one point, Jeff basically calls it out without saying why, like, you're Black, so you feel separate. He says, why do you think you feel so isolated in your own tribe? And the answer is clearly because I'm being targeted by my white tribe members. But he doesn't say that. He, he like, kind of brushes it off. He's like, I don't know. I'm, like, a little bit loud. I'm, like, a little bit in your face. And here's my...
2: But un- why do you think he didn't say that? Because he didn't want to he be, like, it about race. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I'm done. I'm done.
1: Because we all saw what happened to Philip when Philip brought up being targeted because of his race. Everyone went back on him and be like, it wasn't that. Calm down. And it's like that's why black people don't bring it up.
0: I also feel like other people in the past, and I can't think of someone off the top of my head, but players who are not black who have decided to like rest at camp in order to have energy for the challenges um, have not gotten an edit of being lazy. But anyone who was Black who chose that strategy did get the edit of Lazy. So that's just more adding on to Anna's idea that unless we're going to have diverse people in the editing room and in production as well, it's going to fall flat on its face, the diverse casting.
1: I also want to bring up the fact, like, when they got back from the challenge, when they had to swim out to a prison in the water, jump over the wall and, like, free themselves and they come back to camp and everyone's like yelling at Shamar for not trying harder. He's like, I asked for the goggles. I have contacts. I can't go underwater and open my eyes to do the challenge. I asked for the goggles and nobody gave them to me. And they all were like, you don't need goggles. Or we tried to hand them to you and you were just yelling. And ask somebody who wears contacts, Stacy, you could attest to this as well. You can't open your eyes underwater with contacts. They fall out. So like, you're trying to make him look like this lazy jerk when in reality, he literally can't do it if you don't give him goggles and none of you gave them to him
0: also Uh, he was a marine so like he's clearly a capable adult that we've now put in a box for no reason
1: right uh moving on
0: if you're
2: listening shabar i'm sorry they did you like that (laughs) and you should file a complaint if you haven't already to cbs
1: (laughs) mar we are a fan come on the pod um, moving on to somebody who was also done dirty in this season, uh, Brandon Hans, And we don't want to, we're not going to try and diagnose anything here. We're not going to try and speak on his mental state in any part, but we do just want to bring it up because it was such a big episode in the show. And this is episode five. From the beginning of this episode, we kind of see the spiral of Brandon Hans going into this meltdown. Um, where it results in Brandon dumping out all the rice, dumping out all the beans, throwing a chair, screaming at Philip, And it ends in the favorites tribe forfeiting the challenge and having tribal right at the challenge and all voting Brandon out. It's, I I bring up this idea of gaslighting in multiple aspects of the season. We saw it with Shamar, we saw it with here with Brandon, and we also see it in final tribal with Sherry. Which I will talk about when we talk about Final Tribal. But it's very reminiscent of what the fans did to Shamar. Brandon is clearly has some issues that he needs to work through. It was clear in South Pacific and it is clear here as well. But instead of like giving him space to kind of be by himself, Philip just keeps on poking the bear and prodding him even more. And so do other people to just like get a reaction from him. And I think it's like Dawn or, and also like Cochran, who are kind of just like, Brandon, walk away, just walk away and take a breath. But people just keep on like yelling things at him. Philip keeps on yelling at him. There's like a part at the challenge where Jeff is like massaging Brandon's shoulders to get him to calm down. And Phil's just like screaming at him like, you're immature baby. You're insane. And it's like, Philip, just shut up. You are making this worse. And like, clearly he's not in the right mind space right now. You're not helping him. You're just being an ass and you are gaslighting him to get a bigger reaction out of him. Like Personally, I felt bad for Brandon because I was just like, this is not fair to you. It's, I don't know. It just, it was insane. Anna, what do you think of this whole idea or what was happening?
3: Um, I feel like you would all agree with me in, like, I think it's a misstep in terms of casting. I don't think it's an ethical choice um, Mm -hmm. because I know that, They have to undergo some kind of like psychological analysis before they come onto the show. And again, I'm not here to speculate about Brandon, but what I am here to say is that from a casting perspective, you are 120% thinking about how these people are going to interact. And I get that it's a difficult balance to try and say, we want people who are going to push each other's buttons and create something entertaining to watch but we don't want to step over the line of where people are really going at it with one another. And it's putting people in situations that really they probably shouldn't be pushed to. Um, and so it just, it ends up feeling exploitative and really like as a viewer, you're uneasy. And so I think it goes back to like, it's, it's not an ethical casting choice. And I think it feels really icky to be like, we picked Brandon to come back. Cause like, it's going to make great TV. We'll put him with Philip, who we know pushes people's buttons. Like, this will be great. Let's see what happens where, like y- you know that they're thinking about it beyond that and that it must have crossed their minds at some point that there could be some kind of explosion altercation. And so I just i I don't agree with the choice to bring this person on the show.
1: It was also just like evident with as the like blow up was happening or meltdown with Brandon, like you saw Don, Brenda andrea all crying and just being like i care about brandon so much and it is so clear he is in a bad headspace right now and i feel bad that this is happening and i think dawn says it when they go back to camp in the next episode she's like i love brandon and i think the best thing for him was to vote him out i don't think he could be in this game anymore and then it goes to philip and philip's just like he's crazy and insane he needs to go away and it's like that is not the point philip
0: for me the thing with brandon's entire arc on this season is it's very evident to me that not only did the producers cast him with the thought that he's going to make like really explosive television and potentially have some altercations with the people on his tribe that are going to make for riveting television also we're going to push his buttons in his confessionals at one point Brandon says like all I got to do is is keep calm and like it'll be fine and then you can tell the next time he's in a confessional, the producers are clearly saying like, well, how do you feel now? Let's push that. Like, why do you think that? Why are you feeling that way? And I'm like, it kind of reminds me of anyone's seen the show Unreal. That's yeah. like based on the, yeah, it's based on the, um like a real life story of a producer from The Bachelor. And it's based on true events. So like, yes, it's a fictionalized version, but it feels very much like this where they're pushing them to say things like, asking questions that are hard-hitting, they know background about them and using that against them in their confessionals and asking and like pushing and pushing and pushing until they get the soundbite they want. And I think that kind of plays into it. And I also think at the camp where, like the favorites camp, I also don't think Don was doing very well with the aspects of the game that come up around your character and your choices and how that reflects on you. Mm-hmm. Brandon had that same like back and forth dilemma in season 23. And I actually think her... her him and Don were battling the same thing. Is this really who I am? Can I reconcile what I've chosen to do in this game with who I am outside of it? And I think that was just an outward manifestation of all of those things coming together.
2: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I just, I think, like, obviously it was interesting to watch on TV, but it's just, then you think about like, what, what was going on for those people specifically. And, you know, I think, it's very telling again, to that the twist of the tribe, like just set, going in and saying, like we've decided we're gonna forfeit immunity. Like they basically had to manage the situation because, again, I don't think production production would have let him stay. I think they would have let him stay unless he like hit fill up. But I think they would have been like, nope, this is just gonna get us more ratings. And there are other seat, I mean, kind of like with Thailand, like it shouldn't be up to the players to have to, like, either, or with um, Sue too, like they shouldn't have to like choose to leave. Someone should actually step in, in my opinion and be like, look, Brandon, I, you know, I think it might be time for you to go. And so, or at least have a serious conversation with him about it. So, I mean, I was glad the tribe did that, but again, it's so hard when it's on the tribe because it's like, they're now they're down a player, you know, like it's It's hard to do that when you're in like the game mindset, but I think it was time for him to go. And I will, even though I, I don't know if Jeff also like liked that this was happening or was thinking like, this is great for TV, but kudos to him for at least like, Separating him and like trying to give him the, the shoulder massage, trying to like, you know, at least not uh, get a lawsuit from <laughs> from
1: a fight. <laughs> so that, definitely I think, kind of diffused it to the best of his ability. I would say, like as a reality TV show host, <laughs> he was able to do what he he could. But like, I, I don't I think
0: know. John summed it up really well when she said, "It's what's best for Brandon." So that's why we're okay with it. Um, Again, uh, that tribe should not have had to forfeit a challenge, Mm -hmm. like basically throw a challenge with the thought of getting someone out because they're concerned about him. Someone else should have maybe taken that burden. But she said it really well in that moment where she was just like, it's maybe not what's best for us as a tribe to lose a member, but it's what's best for Brandon. So in the end, it is what's best for the tribe.
1: Okay, so this brings us into the gameplay of the season and our final tribal, our final three. How did we get there? So we had in our final three, Don, Sherry, and then our winner, baby boy, Cochran. I liked this final three, and I think that's a controversial opinion because I don't think a lot of people liked Sherry or thought that Sherry deserved to be there. But I would argue that the, her first half of the game was super, super strong. But then she kind of just like stopped playing in the later half of the game and it was upsetting to watch. And I just didn't like how she was treated at Final Tribal either, but that's me. But I i mean like my case for Sherry is she was the only fan to be able to infiltrate the Favorites Alliance. She was the only person to become a member of Stealth R Us created by Philip. but she got in there and she worked her way and she like created these bonds and she was never on the chopping block. And so there's some strategy in that area. And if you look at her beginning gameplay, she's the one who was like, those four hot people in the water are gunning for us. They're gonna take us out. We need to do something against them. And she orchestrated those first three votes to get rid of them, or first two votes. And it's like, there you go. Like, I'm sorry, she did some strong moves. Cochran, I think, was ama- amazing this season. I don't think he had a bad point. He was a brilliant player. He saw threats coming from a mile away, and then before they could become real threats, he eliminated them. Andrea, Brenda, Malcolm, he orchestrated all of these things. And then I also think Dawn had this redemption moment where she was like, South Pacific, I was passive, didn't do much. I am going to play this game now and I'm going to be devious and I'm going to make these choices did she cry through them all yes but did she do them also yes a mood a moment Aggie what are your ideas on our final three and just the gameplay overall
0: I think this was a really interesting season because you had Philip basically literally living out Rob's gameplay in real time and referencing it which I thought was really interesting you had Andrea, who clearly came to play, Brenda, who clearly came to play, and Malcolm, who clearly all came in and they were like, I'm ready to hit the ground running and play this game. On top of that, you had Cochran and Dom being like, we're not making the same mistake we did last time. We want to get to the end. Let's be together. And so I actually think the favorites fully controlled the whole game the whole time, except for their first immunity loss, which just seemed like an actual fluke. But I think Cochran was the only one Even though Dawn, he brings this up at Final Tribal, Dawn was able to get information through her strong relationships with other people. But I think Cochran was the one who was able to also sniff that out. But then when he got confirmation from Dawn is when he set his plan into motion. Like he knew Brenda was a threat pretty early. He was like, she has, no one dislikes her. She just did this beautiful reward for all of us. Like gave up her family so that we could see ours a few things like that. So he was like, she's a bit of a threat, but he was like, I'm willing to kind of wait it out. I'm willing to just vote out Eddie. Like I'm, I'm not tied to the idea of immediately getting rid of Brenda, like right now. And then Don comes to him and it's, is like, we kind of got to do it. And he's like, perfect. That was already something I had said in motion. But if, if the vibe was off, I wasn't going to do it. And I think that is the difference between him and Don is Don thinks she had all of those like she's the one who had to make all of them and the fallout was bigger and it's like yes the fallout was bigger because you had relationships but everyone still also talked to Cochran and he picked up on the slightest things like he's three steps ahead of everyone at every moment and I think that is why even in Final Tribal when they try to come for Don and then I think it's someone else asked the question who's like well why is Don getting the heat and you're not and he's just like because at the end of the day, I didn't have full relationships with you, but I did know what was going on. And I think that was really, really smart.
2: I agree with all of that. I mean, I think I, and I do agree, honestly, Sherry could have maybe been our honorable mention. Cause I do think too, that like, she, she was doing very well at the beginning. I mean, even with all the Shamar stuff, I feel like she was like, and I think it's cause she said she like manages a lot of people. So she was able to kind of like sit back and observe it a little more and not just like be emotionally swept away as much so I mean did she deserve to win no (laughs) like I she didn't deserve any votes but still she was the first um fan I think in both of them to get to the final three right like to be in a final tribal so but yeah I think um Game-wise, this is why I liked it after the merge. It's just, I think there were so many really good players. I think Andrea is a really good player. Um, I think Malcolm's obviously good. So um, I liked it. I loved the the moment where Malcolm uh, played his other immunity idol that, or the hidden idol that they didn't know about. That was great. It was good TV. So yeah, mm-hmm. I thought there was great gameplay in this uh, season.
0: I also loved when he convinced Reynolds to give his immunity idol to him so that One, he didn't have to play his, but two, to like kind of put the fear of God in the rest of them where he was like, nah, give it to me. You heard Philip talking, they voted for me. It ended up not being that they voted for him. So there are a few missteps where Malcolm talks about not feeling paranoia as much, but I do think this second time around, he did feel it more than the first time because he started to make like frantic moves. Like he didn't have to play his idol Mm -hmm. when they voted for Philip. And they were like, let's just follow the voting plan. Because even if everyone had voted three, three, I think the numbers would have still worked out in his favor had he not played his idol. He didn't even need to because four votes went to Eddie, two votes went to him and three went to Phillip. So it like didn't even matter. But yeah, it was just like, I feel like he made a few missteps in terms of calculating where to go from there. But I agree, Stacey, every player was good.
1: Mm-hmm. Every
0: favorite that was left at the merge, you were like, even though Philip can come off, as crazy you cannot say he didn't come in with an actual strategy this time and I it was such a vast improvement from last
2: time and his strategy was Rob Oh yeah his strategy was, <laughs> like well, yeah,
0: his strategy was <laughs> I'm gonna be busting Rob but I think it was he was much less annoying this season in my personal opinion <laughs> I didn't find him as annoying it could have been because I was so mad at the newbies and how they treated Shamar that I was like you know what we're just gonna leave Philip I didn't like him and Brandon and their like going at each other all the time. But I also felt like Philip. it was, I don't know if the people he was playing with found him less annoying. So I found him less annoying, but like they all just kind of laughed off his like stealth RS nicknames and things like that. They were like, yeah, he's annoying, but like we're just kind of going through the motions with him. Like one day we'll get rid of him. It's fine. But right now let's just kind of laugh it off. He
1: also looked kind of hot at the reunion. Wait, who did? Philip. is that a controversial statement? He looked kind of hot at the reunion
3: okay (laughs) i mean i i know that i don't have the the most agreeable choices like i'm not in a position to judge you so i'm just gonna i'm gonna nod um but i I will chime (laughs) in about gameplay and just say that i what i appreciate in a season of returners is that pretty much universally they were all very aware of like their mistakes from their season and everyone seemed to be very actively trying to say like This is what I did wrong last time, and here's how I'm going to correct it. It wasn't like a vague, like, I'm going to try not to do this. It was like, this is where I came up short, and this is my new strategy. And I think the only person we didn't really hear that from was like Eric, who was like, I'm not going to give away immunity again, (laughs) but I'm still not going to strategize.
0: He was always like the third person in an alliance who was like, sure, I'll vote that way.
1: I will say... my baby boy, Eric, did upset me at Final Tribal. I didn't like how he talked to Sherry. I thought it was very rude and he was just gaslighting her. He was like, you were a worthless seashell on the beach. You did nothing. And then when she tried to argue and explain her strategy, he was just screaming over her. And then of course she got angry at him and started yelling back at him. And it's like, this just sucks because like no one's giving her the opportunity to explain what she did none of you ask questions and like could you imagine if that happened to sandra sandra wouldn't have won if she didn't go in a final tribal and was able to explain her strategy but i think the
3: difference is that sandra would have explained it from the start like she would have used her opening statements to make those points that people would have followed up on because they'd be like oh this is what you think okay i don't think that so like please tell me more about this. Whereas Sherry didn't right off the bat come out with anything like that. And so they were like, okay, if you're not even going to argue your own game, like we, we have nothing to ask you about. But I think Eric in particular was probably quite upset because that was probably his spot and like through no fault of his own, like it got snatched away from him. So I, I thought he was quite bitter in that regard with Sherry Mm -hmm. of like, you're here and this was supposed to be my
1: spot. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree. I Not by any means do I think Sherry had a stellar final tribal performance. Her opening statement was shit. She stopped halfway through. It was just like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I'm very nervous. And it's like, Sherry, fuck. But I do think she got a bad rap and I feel like people attacked her for seemingly no reason. And it kind of upset me.
0: I (laughs) I agree with you, Nick. I think, yes, she did potentially do something on the fans' tribe. No fans on the jury knew she did that she didn't explain it at all and then she i thought alienated some people who might have tried to follow up question after eric by saying well i don't care what you have to say eric and now i'm done like you can just sit down i think that hurt her also because then they were like "Well, now we can't ask her questions because she's just mad
1: um that was a result of the people coming up before eric being like i'm not even going to talk to you sherry you're not here anymore, Sherry. And only complimenting the two other people sitting next to her. And then Eric calling her worthless. And when she tried to defend it, he just proceeded to talk down to her even more.
0: I mean, did she really try and defend herself? All I remember her saying is, Eric, I don't care what you have to say.
1: He, She was saying, she's like, that's your opinion. I mean, I, again, like, I'm not, I don't know.
0: I don't think either one of them were in the right. I think is my end of that. But I, I don't think sherry did a good job of trying to get anything out of that interaction
2: but- yeah and i mean i don't think sherry was ready for the final three because remember before yeah. they get there she even asked cochran like what's your definition of um what was it a goat or like a pawn, a, a a pawn. pawn. yeah a pawn wow. like it was like i mean you should kind of you already you should know what people think of you at this point and why you're there so i just think she wasn't ready for final tribal
0: the laughing at her I think probably also threw her off. Um, Uh, Yeah, I think- I also kind of laugh? Yes. (laughs) But I feel like it would be very hard to sit at Final Tribal and hear people laughing at you and not respond emotionally like she did to Eric.
1: She was shot down before she even had a chance. You know, like, when she even started her opening statement, she said, I managed it like I do my businesses. And everyone laughed at her. She's like, well, fuck, that's my whole defense. And they're already being- mean and bitter to me so she's already defeated and it's just like oh uh, like See, i think with that
3: i think they took offense because she sat down at final tribal and her leading statement was i'm an owner of all of these successful businesses i have all these right. employees, and i'm so good at my job give me a million dollars and i think they were like wait a
2: minute what
1: Yeah. Again, like I'm not trying to say she had a stellar final trial board that she deserved more, but I do think she was kind of shut down before she even could get off the ground and just continuously kicked even more. So something that we did need to talk about this season was the reunion show, because it was, some would say a mess like 2020, a dumpster fire, if you will, (laughs) the setup was just really odd they only had the people who were on the jury and the final three on stage everybody else sat in the audience and you never saw them except for one awkward pan to corinne it was weird brandon was not allowed to be in attendance because of his feud with philip and the producers were just like nope you're not welcome Brenda was via satellite because she was nine months pregnant, ready to pop at any moment. There was random guest appearances by Boston Rob, Rudy, and Richard Hatch, who was naked in his cameo. And it was also like the season or the time that social media must have really hit hard because we had questions from Twitter. We had random hints um given out about next season and you had to tweet what you thought it was but then they never fully told you or explained what that season was so it was just an odd choice i don't know um some of the players even came out after the reunion and spoke about it and saying they didn't talk to anybody besides the final three and malcolm and philip they only talked to these five people and then nobody else. And it just felt weird and awkward. What did y'all think of the reunion show?
2: Yeah, I just, I didn't watch the reunion like as intensely, I guess. I was just like trying to get to the end, but it was weird. They weren't all up there. It seemed like Jeff was trying to have some kind of like apology session with um, Don and Brenda that it just seemed like. Don was like we've already talked and he was like they haven't spoken since they left the island she's like yes we have so <laughs> it just seemed like he was trying to like force something honestly I wonder if the if production was just like let's we do we have to do the reunion let's just like make it quick and avoid any kind of controversy and yeah the the blood and water thing i Honestly, watching that would think it was about like shark attack or something. So it
1: was not a good clue. It looked, it looked like Twilight, and knowing the time this season premiered, I wouldn't put it past Survivor to just be like vampires versus werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> Survivor, nighttime versus daytime. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was an odd <laughs> choice.
0: My thoughts are that the reunion was messy. And Eric was so right to think that like, why are you not talking to the actual people who played this season?
1: Anna?
3: (laughs) So my thoughts come in two parts. And the first part is in reference to the anger from people who didn't get a chance to speak. And it's something that I mentioned, I think in our All Stars episode when we talked about Jerry leaving the reunion and like Mm -hmm. I had a whole spiel about how I get that it's the audience's right to have a reaction, but at the same time you have a reunion show so that people who were on the show have a chance to defend themselves or speak their piece about what happened and what was shown because it's their only opportunity to do so, especially in a time before social media was as widely used. And so in that respect, like to not have everyone who was on the season, save for Brandon, who I understand that they didn't necessarily want on the stage, Um, but to not talk to each person feels wrong. And like, that was the whole thing. It's like, Jeff always asked, even the person who was voted out first, he always said like, quick update. What, what have you been up to? Mm
0: -hmm. And
3: so to take that away, just felt like, why are we having a reunion special? Like, this is no longer what that is. And secondly, you mentioned like They have all this stuff about, oh, tweet us your thoughts or like hashtag survivor finale, like tweet us and we'll read them on air. It's clearly the beginning of the wave that we're about to see with social media, but it's such a prototype of that because you have Jeff being like, send us your tweets. Like we'll read them on air, how fun. But you also have someone like Boston Rob who has to come on to the reunion special so that the fans can see him because like Instagram doesn't exist. So Boston Rob, you can't just be like, let me go see what Boston Rob's doing on his Instagram stories. You have to wait for him to show up at the Survivor reunion special and try to sell you his book. So I think we're in a weird middle ground of like, we have Twitter, we have the era of social media about to be maybe a big part of the fan engagement on the show, but we're not quite there yet. And so you still have like these fan appearances to say like, oh, Boston Rob is here at the reunion. I hope people tweet about it because people are not yet just directly going to him you know what i mean
1: yeah. i mean like dawn brings this up and she's like i had to delete twitter mm-hmm. because people were just attacking me for what happened with brenda and like that feels very 2020 like that makes sense with the social media age that somebody's mm-hmm. going to be attacked for the choices they make on the show i don't agree with it but it that it, it, you do see that beginning to happen and you see like the castaways having to deal with Real world implications.
3: cancel culture.
1: Canceled culture, the beginnings. Uh, she also said that people were sending her articles showing that crying is good for the soul and it is good for you. So be proud, Dawn.
3: I think she's an empath, and I think Survivor is a very difficult show to go on if you're an empath because you're just sucking up all that energy.
1: Uh, and that brings us to this episode's honorable mention. We all love her here, which we did not in her original season of Nicaragua. Miss Brenda, she (laughs) played a very different game in this season than she did in Nicaragua. Nicaragua, she like came out, she was very cocky. She was like, I have my alliance, I'm going far, I don't even need to scramble because I know people aren't going to get rid of me. And then they voted her out. And she came back this season and with a completely different gameplay. She was humble the entire time. She made friends. She was a challenge beast, like insane in challenges. So good. She also had like the most emotional elimination, I feel. Like when she got eliminated, I felt so bad for her. And also- her family visit when her dad walks in and she's like you would be so proud of me i'm being so nice and humble and even jeff cries and Jeff's like in 26 seasons i've never cried before and you just ended that brenda what the hell i'm like same jeff
2: Jimmy me it was just a huge turnaround from the first season where i just feel like she was so she was like i have chase in my back pocket like i'm you know the hot stuff so i can just do whatever you know like she was definitely flying under the radar a little more but she was also forming relationships i mean there must be a reason don wanted her to help unless she was just the best swimmer i don't know (laughs) but there must be a reason she was like come help me find my my um teeth so yeah it just seemed like she was more um she was warmer this time around but in the first time she was pretty intense again it could also be the edit we never know but hearing her telling her dad like you told me to be humble and i am being humble. that's what to me made it seem more genuine
1: i will say too like we didn't get a heavy brenda edit like you know she didn't have a lot of cutaways you know it was it was clear she wasn't a front runner to win the game but you still just kind of have this love for brenda and you kind of like live for this character development she goes through Anna, anything to add to this before we wrap it up?
3: Much to say. I agree. It was It's tough to form an opinion on Brenda because we really didn't see a ton of her, especially early on. But I much preferred watching her in this season than her first season because everyone in Nicaragua is so unlikable <laughs> that I was just like, I, I don't even want to see a returning player from this season. But I definitely came around to her. We didn't see a ton of her, but what we saw of her, I did really enjoy. And so I think she redeemed herself for me.
1: But with that, let's jump into rapid fire question. Yay. Okay. Okay. So at the beginning of this podcast, we had this idea that it felt a little bit more uh, fans versus redemption players. So the first question I have for y'all, did any favorites get a redemption arc? Or have a redemption moment, Stacy? What do you think?
2: Yeah, for me personally, I would say Brenda because the first I remember saying on the first podcast with her, she was just not humble enough. Like she had too much pride, and she came back and said, "Dad, you told me to be uh, humble, oh. and I am." And she was crying that she I, I'm a Brenda fan now, so she was redeemed.
1: Brenda, Stan, Aggie, what about you?
0: I mean, is it too easy to say Cochrane? No. no. I think he won in, he says it so well at the he goes, I was able to just own my nerdiness and in doing so forget about it being like a strike against me and instead focus on the game. Because I knew that by being asked back, no one was so put off by that, that it wasn't going to be something I could just like, that's just who I am. So I think that was really smart of him. And then he won four individual challenges. Like he's in the like quote survivor hall of fame for number of challenge wins Baby which, boy. like just came out of nowhere it was so exciting to see because some of them were really physical and it was just exciting to see and so I think he did really redeem himself and I think by being on a winning tribe enough he was able to get that redemption of like not ever having his name written down he had a perfect game no one ever wrote his name down except to vote for him to win so I think that's pretty exciting and definitely a redemption arc that I'm here for
1: yeah. Anna, what about you? I would be shocked if it's anything different than what Aggie just said.
3: No, it's Cochran. Um, <laughs> yeah, not to repeat exactly what Aggie just said, but I think as someone who in his first season, it was very clear that he had great strategy and that he was capable of playing that game and that maybe luck of the draw with the people he was with, he wasn't able to get farther in his particular situation. But it was clear that he could play a strategic game, maybe not a totally social game, but a strategic game. And then in this season, he came in, um, he wasn't automatically bullied the way that he was in his first season. And so I think that's what I mean by like luck of the draw. He was able to play like a fully strategic social game and then also had an incredible arc in physical challenges, which like I think you could see that that for himself was such a point of pride. And like a confidence booster and so watching that i was like you have full redemption like just as a human being in overcoming what you thought you'd never be able to do and guys i'm fully in love with him (laughs) so that's a redemption arc in itself of me being like how do i feel about Cochrane? oh i love him great redeemed
1: (laughs) redeemed um my redemption person is kind of a shock but i think i'm going to say corinne simply because in gabon i had so much hate towards her if you listen to our gabon podcast i go full off on why she is a bitch and why i hate her so much and then watching this season i was like oh my god i think i stand corinne i know she partners with eliza for a season of amazing race and i'm like i need to watch that season just so i can see her more but she had great quotes she was a great commentary for this season she also like was a good strategist and she proved she's like i'm not just a bitch i'm also smart and i loved that arc that we got for her and i wish we could see her play again i don't know if we ever do but i would be more than happy to watch her come back with that idea of people coming back this season we had eric who as i mentioned was an original fan for the og fans versus favorites but he came back as a favorite do we have any fans that came on this season that we would love to see return as a favorite? I will say spoiler alert, no fans uh, have ever returned from this season, but is there any individual one that we would love to see come back? Stacy?
2: I care for none of them
1: but <laughs> but i that mean, is also an acceptable it, answer.
2: It could bring Shamar back and have a more diverse uh, team for him and give him a chance, but that's a, anyone else can go. <laughs> I don't care.
1: Hey, <laughs> what about you? Um <laughs> 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 Maybe there's a reason no fans have ever come back.
0: Yeah, I think cuz if you look at some of the people who were later out fans Eddie was later out because he just like, was easier to keep around because he couldn't actually win an immunity challenge. So I, I don't think I'd want him to come back. And he wasn't playing strategically. He voted for Eric in one of the votes. And I was like- what you, In
1: what two of made? them. He voted for Eric twice.
0: I was like, are you even playing this game? No, one, Clearly no one's talking to you. The race car driver, Julia, I think was trying some stuff, mm-hmm. but she crossed Phillip. So maybe Julia could have potentially gone a little bit further. Actually, you know who I did like? Laura. She's very bad at oh. challenges, but I think she had some good strategic things in her brain.
3: Anna? um, None, but if I had to choose, I think the fan that I liked the most was Michael. Fair. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't want to see him play again, but I think I would be the least upset to see him come back.
1: I would say Sherry. Guys, come on. Team <laughs> Sherry. I would see Sherry come again. She didn't cry as much as Don did, so like, let's have her back.
3: He didn't cry so they can come back.
1: I mean, whatever. Speaking of crying, let's move on to the next rapid fire question. Which Dawn crying moment was the last straw for you? And there was a lot to choose from. Which one made you just be like, all right, I'm done. And I'm gonna go first. It's when her and Brenda are at the camp while everyone else is at the loved ones on the raft far out in the water. And you just hear them like chattering and she's just at camp like, <gasps> staring off into the distance. Like, when will my husband return from war? And that's very much where I was like, I don't care about you, Dawn, whatsoever. Aggie, what Dawn moment was was just it for you?
0: Nick, that's pretty late in the game to be annoyed with her crying. Um, <laughs> like, <that's
1: laughs> <same>. It does <laughs> happen a lot.
0: almost the end you made it through a lot of her crying to be okay with okay with it up until that point um honestly I think it was when she cried at Brandon's elimination even though what she said at Brandon's elimination was very honest and very I thought kind in relation to what had just happened she cried more than anyone else and I was just like it's not happening to you I'm confused as to why you are crying so much. If anyone should be crying, it's Brandon. I don't know why you're crying so much in this moment. And then after that, I was just like, she's doing it again. She's crying again. And I think then after that point, I think I think she opened the floodgates and then any little thing that, she, that happened to her after that was just meant to make her cry
1: almost. Ugh. Anna, what about you?
3: For me, it was when she lost her retainer And Brenda found it for her. And only because had Brenda not brought it up at final tribal, I don't think it would have made it into the episode because it just, it was such an isolated moment between the two of them that really had no other payoff until Brenda was like, let's talk about this moment in her final tribal question. I think had she not brought it up, we wouldn't have even seen it because it was so inconsequential beyond that final tribal question. And I found the whole scene quite um, silly. Like I get that it was a big deal and I understand why she was crying. So it wasn't the crying itself that made me annoyed. It
2: was just the fact that we had that scene at all, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, get you. Stacy.
2: Yeah, mine was pretty much the same as yours, Nick. Like mine was when she realized Brenda was going to have to make that choice and she wouldn't, you know, Get to see her loved one but i was like what do you think brenda's i mean brenda has to do that she almost doesn't have a choice i mean you have not that many more days like you will see your family like please stop sobbing uncontrollably and i do want to say like i have nothing against crying i encourage crying i cry a lot i mean i cry at every of these every single home um loved ones visit i cry But like she's trying to be so cutthroat and then she's also like sobbing. It's different to just kind of like retreat to the woods and go cry on your own. She's like doing it in front of everyone. So that's all.
1: (laughs) Also in this season, we had some pretty chef's kiss delicious quotes from castaways and even some from Jeff. So I want to know what was one of your favorite quotes from a castaway? I'm going to jump in first and it comes from Corinne. I actually have two from Corinne because my God, I love her so much. She was hysterical. It's when the tribes swap and Corinne just goes, I love a gay. I just love a gay. If I could flip on my alliance, I would just, I would just so I could work with a gay. And I'm like, Corinne, God bless you. And then when they're going to tribal, she's like, I, I'm not letting them get rid of Michael. God save the gay. I'm going to do it. I'm like, Corinne, a woman after my own heart, I am making a shirt for pride that just says God save the gay. I need it in my life. Aggie, favorite quote.
0: My favorite quote is when Cochran is on the winning team for the challenge where they have to defend it and like throw the ball in Um, and it's all boys and they go to the waterfall and rappel down it. (laughs) And they're like, it should just be guys to the end. And he, in his confessional says, I don't want to be engaging in any masculine tomfoolery with these dumb skulls. (laughs) (laughs) That might also be my favorite Cochran moment. I don't know yet. I have to think about it for the next one, but like, and he says it's so deadpan, like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm getting in that alliance with them. You've got to be kidding. But he like plays it off so chill at the reward. he's like, no, <laughs> absolutely not.
1: Stacey, favorite quote?
2: Yeah, I have two and they're both Cochrane. One was when he just said like, it's lonely at the top. And then he was like, I probably shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> and then the second was the peanut butter when he was eating butter off of sherry's uh like fingers and jeff's like how often does that happen he was like more often than you think (laughs) he's funny he's very funny
1: anna what about you
2: um surprise to no one mine is also
3: a cochran (laughs) quote and it's at a tribal council where he's musing on the idea of voting off malcolm and he's describing what it would be like to vote off Malcolm, and he goes, it would just be indescribably delicious. It would just be chef's kiss. Like he doesn't say chef's kiss, he does chef's kiss. And as soon as he did chef's kiss, I was like, my pants
1: are coming off. Oh my God, this season, chock full of those quotes.
0: Eric also says, this is the most beautiful prison I've ever been in.
1: (laughs) The sound bites from this (laughs) season are amazing. Uh, And then one last rapid fire before we jump off. What is your favorite Cochrane moment? Clearly, this podcast is a love letter to John Cochrane. Anna's DMs are open, slide on in. She needs you as her mans, and I need that to happen as well for her. What is your favorite Cochrane moment, Agatha Cummings?
0: There are so many, and he has so many good ones. I think some of my favorite ones actually come at the reunion. He just Everything Jeff says he has funny responses to. Hold on. Now I can't decide. Now I can't decide. Wait, someone else go. Come back to me in 10 seconds.
1: Um, Anna, favorite Cochrane moment.
0: You mean other than him being born and existing
3: in this (laughs) world? um, My favorite moment isn't so much a moment as it was something that I just picked up on, which is that in so many of his confessionals, he's sitting in some kind of like throne-like chair (laughs) and chair, you know, not a real chair, obviously, but like whether it's like a rock in the ocean that looks like a big throne or like they have that shot of him sitting on top of the well, like with his legs crossed. And I'm like, <laughs> he's just like the visuals that they give us to subconsciously make us root for him and be like, this guy's going places I thought was impeccable.
1: Impeccable taste. Aggie, back to you.
0: Okay. I remember because Stacy kind of brought it up with her Cochrane quote. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. Did I just lose it again? are you fucking kidding
1: me stacy we're going to you oh
0: my god (laughs) live
2: now to stacy in the field (laughs) gosh oh well mine is yeah i mean my like what i loved the most about him was how much more confident he seemed which is shown when someone asked him like if we were at a bar like would you be in front of us behind us or with us he was like I'd be next to you, but I'd have to make space for a couple of girls too, a couple of the ladies. <laughs> like, whoa, this is quite the turnaround for Cochran.
1: He's just so. growing out with them.
0: I have it. I actually have it now. Stacy talks about when Cochran. Her favorite quote is when he's like, "It's lonely at the top." Um, in that whole sequence, he says all these things about how this is my game to lose, blah blah blah. And he goes, "Wow, what a lot of things I'm saying. What if I lose?" Like, he has this one <laughs> moment of just like. Well shit, they're gonna air this regardless. Like he knows it's gonna make it because it's a good sound bite, but then he's like, Well, what if I lose? That would be incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> like, what embarrassing things for me to be saying if I lose, which I thought was hysterical. I was like, Yes, Copper. And that's the kind of confidence, but not confidence I'm looking for, sir.
1: My favorite moment was after the eating challenge, his first individual immunity win, and he does a little fight man dance. He's like, ooh, 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 ooh. I'm like, you nerd, love you but yeah. you nerd he is oh, there's
3: no that TikTok audio that's like if this man came up to me
1: he's getting slapped but if <laughs>
2: this
3: man came up to me <laughs> he is that season to see a season. picture
1: of Cochrane <laughs> in south pacific and then a picture of Cochrane <laughs> in uh, Caramoan.
0: literally make
1: it happen we're making that real look for it on escaping reality podcast on the instagram <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for listening. Cut to that beautiful outro recorded by me. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you didn't like, and we'll try and work on it. If you want to follow us on our social medias, we have Instagram, at Escaping Reality Pod, and on Twitter, ESC Reality Pod. We'd love to hear what you have to say about Survivor. Did you like what we had to say? Did you not like what we had to say? Let us know. And of course, if you are a past contestant of Survivor, come at us, slide into our DMs, let us know that you want to be on the podcast. We would love to have you. We are putting out new episodes every single week. So make sure to come back for more. And as always, thank you for escaping reality with us.